Sport leaders, storytellers and griots sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week. Alrighty, it is SAFM Jet Set on the Sunday morning. You're hanging out with myself, Bridget Massinger, holding the fort for Michelle. And now we get to uh, touch base with Dr. Tess Gridley, who's the co-director of the uh, Namibia Dolphin Project, Sea Research, and of course, extraordinary senior lecturer at the Department of Botany and Zoology. Uh, there we go. The data bundles are loading slowly, but they are loading at Stellenbosch University. How are you doing this morning, Dr. Tess? Good morning. Thank you for having us on. It's only a pleasure. I mean, okay, I know, I think I have a vague idea, the line of work that you do. But for someone who's sitting there right now going, ooh, botany, zoology, but we're talking about fur seals. How does this all interplay? It's all one and the same. So, okay, so I am actually mostly an acoustician. So I usually work on animal communication and uh, the sounds animal makes. And so um, I mostly work on uh, dolphins Mm -hmm. and also whales, um, both in South Africa and in in Namibia. Uh And myself and my partner, Dr. Simon Elwin, we run um, a research organization called Sea Search, which is... um, working in, in Cape Town and um, along the South African coastlines. And then also um, we've been running a project in Namibia called the Namibian Dolphin Project for yes. about 11 years now. Um, and so we work in both locations. Um, and as I said, I work mostly on, on animal communication. Mm. Um, but the topics that we cover range from, you know, working at how many animals in a population to um, which species are where. Mm. Um, and then also, um, you know, this, particular study that uh, we'll talk about this morning, um, looking at the impact of uh, marine pollution on uh, Cape Fair fields. Yes. And, and speaking of that impact of pollution, on I mean, we hear it all the time, right? Uh, and for some people, it's just become white noise. Watch how we sort of uh, intersect with the environment. Watch our plastic waste and plastic generation and all the rest of it and its effects on, you know, on ocean life. But are we really taking it into consideration and, and judging from, you know, what I've read in terms of our conversation this morning, we're really not are very conscious of our effects on marine life. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to sort of get overloaded with information that's, you know, always uh, being given to you. Um, from our perspective, I mean, one of the reasons we, we started the study was that we were working out in, you know, at the colonies of Cape Fair Seals. And then sort of seeing the, the impact um, that entanglement was having on those animals sort of um, very acutely. So mm. um, from our perspective, um, it, it's sort of a, a, a really good example, um, although it's uh, obviously horrible to see, of um, the, the impact that humans are having. And mm. so from that uh, context, um, you know, getting, getting the information out there, getting the images out there and sort of really showing people, um, you know, what's happening is, is really important. I mean, as, as, as another example, um, we've been uh, looking at the nests of Cape Cormorants um, around Cape Town. Mm. Um, again, again, because we were out there uh, recording them. And um, those, those nests are absolutely full of plastic. So they're full of cable ties, they're mm. full of um, fishing lines and also uh, things like sunglasses. So, you know, some quite random, random articles. But... Um, in general, you know, because we're working in that environment, we are seeing that, and we do mm. need to communicate that back, um, back to you know, you know, people who might not be, 
you know, as every day working with marine life. Yeah. So uh, broadly speaking, the population numbers of the Cape Fur seals uh, is considered to be quite healthy. However, there is a real threat that is emerging, as you've just, uh, you know, mentioned. Um, fishing lines, nets, plastic and all the rest is finding their way into the environment. Well, well, that's it. So um, in terms of the Cape Fur seals, yeah, the numbers are, are considered healthy. So we do have more um, Cape Fur seals in Namibia than South Africa. And overall, we just, we've got just short of 2 million Cape Fur seals in those two areas. So oh, wow. um, in, in general, yeah, there's, there's a lot of um, Cape Fur seals around. And, they, you know, we, we see them when we go out on the boats all the time. Mm. Um, in in Falls Bay, we've obviously got Seal Island, and that's got about 70,000 Cape Fur seals um, at the height of cooking, which is um, November and December. So, so absolutely, we, we do have a lot of these animals, and that's wonderful um, if you like marine marine life. If, you, if you're a fisherman, sometimes um, you, you might not consider that a great thing. Mm. Um, but what we're seeing is really a welfare issue here because these um, animals are getting entangled um, at a fairly young age. So mm. uh, Cape Fur seals are very inquisitive, you know, okay. uh, and we call them water puppies. Um, <laughs> they, they're really, um, you know, very inquisitive animals. And when they, when they see, um, you know, fishing lines and nets and things like that, um, in, in, the, in the environment, you know, they have no idea that these are articles that won't uh, break down. You know, they're mm. used to seeing kelp, they're used to seeing seaweed and things like that. And so they play with them. And, and in doing so, they get entangled. And then those, um, those materials just stay and they get tighter and tighter as the animals grow. Mm. Um, you know, you, you get animals with um, often entanglements around the neck. Mm-hmm. Um, and they start to cut in um, through through the skin, through the blubber layer, um, and into the muscle. And so, what you're seeing is a very slow but very painful and distressing, um, you know, effect on the animal, um, who then will find it harder to to find food um, and to actually even move, you know, underwater because they're, they're dragging around um, mm. these materials. And and over over time, you know, the animals will die. And so. Um, the paper that we, we've put out now is sort of looking into that and looking at the materials that are involved in entanglement. Mm. Um, but we have really no idea how many animals are dying at sea because obviously if they're dying out, in, you know, out at sea, mm. um, they often get lost or, or you, know, you won't find them. So yeah. um, there's an unknown number of, of mortalities there. Um, and it's just a very um, strong indication of you know, uh, the, the impacts that humans are having with um, the changes that we are are making and the materials that we're using. You know, years mm. ago, fishing lines, fishing ropes would have been naturally degradable materials. So mm. we'd have been, you know, if, if they did get lost or, or, or thrown into the ocean, they would have broken down. But now with um, a lot of ropes, a lot of lines being, you know, strong plastic mm. and packaging tapes as well, um, those don't break down. I was actually about to ask you, Dr. Tess, that is there a more sustainable way, um, you know, considering our own, I guess, consumption needs in terms of uh, fueling the fishing industry? Is there a sustainable way of actually using nets that are more environmentally friendly? Or, Or maybe then with what you've just said, you know, why has there been a reversal if we were using sustainably friendlier nets before? Why then opt for something that really is having an adverse effect moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. And, and these are issues that sort of transcend across everything. So, uh, you know, in terms of what we've, you know, in the last 20 and 30 years in terms of consumerism and, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, gradual shifts 
Um, we've shifted from using paper or, or other sort of materials that would be biodegradable to, to wrapping everything in plastic. Mm. And we've sort of got used to doing that. And so, um, you know, the fishing industry, obviously, you know, plastics are strong, they're durable. They, mm. they have lots of properties that are very, um, you know, useful for, for, for um, efficient fishing. Um, and so, so obviously that's why they, they've been chosen. So, you know, one option is to really sort of, um, you know, educate and, and, and sort of advocate for um, people to, to make sure that they, you know, they don't discard the fishing net, they don't discard the fishing lines, um, and to also sort of perhaps uh, put incentives in place so this, um, there's a financial incentive there if nets get broken to actually to bring them back onto shore. Mm. Um, and then... You know, there are, there are important um, uh, technological advances going forward, you know, in terms of looking at um, materials that will biodegrade over time mm. um, and, and perhaps those are going to become more, more popular in the future. Um, but it is symptomatic of a wider issue in terms of, you know, how we've gradually um, but progressively sort of changed our usage of, of materials and now we are using much more plastic-based things. And, mm. um, and some of those are just not necessary. I mean, so... You know, the, the sort of single-use plastics that we get encountered, you know, encounter every day. Mm-hmm. Um, plastic bags, the, you know, the lids on the coffee cup when you go and get your coffee. Yeah. Um, now fish and chips aren't wrapped in paper, they're wrapped in a, a styrofoam. And these are sort of um, unnecessary uses of um, plastic that I think uh, listeners could easily um, try to, to change their, their usage and also to sort of, um, you know, feed that back. To, mm. to restaurants, to coffee shops, um, to, to supermarkets, and say, okay, I don't need this plastic bag. I don't need this styrofoam. Yeah. Thanks very much. I can wrap it in paper. Yeah. Dr. Tess, uh, we've fast run out of time, but thank you so much for enlightening us uh, on, of course, the plight of the, the Cape Fur seals out there. And that was uh, Dr. Tess Gridley, who's the co-director of the uh, Namibia Dolphin Project, as well as Sea Search. And uh, she is also a senior lecturer out at the Department of Botany and Zoology at Stellenbosch University. And maybe our next guest in Breath of Fresh Air is just the kind of young genius we need uh, to solve this uh, question of uh, single-use plastic. I mean, come on, if a kid can create 